Patriots Monday and Friday. 93.7 WEIFM and HD1 Lawrence, Boston. We're always live on the free Odyssey app. This hour of the Rich Keefe Show is brought to you by FindMassMoney.gov. Comical and knowledgeable Boston sports talker Dropping in hotter than a tropical climate Breaking news, he supplies it And you want the truth? Scoops, Keith will find it He's talking about all the sports And he's also a hashtag dork And a father of two sweet daughters The leader of your squad For you evening marauders And night commuters Tune in and sit tight Six to ten, more like six to midnight. Ow, the mic's hot on the Night's Watch crew. Celtics, Bruins, Pats, and Red Sox, too. Doing this since the Rich Keith Project. Now we've got podcasts and Twitch stream content. KWFE on WEEI. It's the Rich Keith Show, so here's your guy. Not quite. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Rich Keefe Show. Rich is out tonight. I'm John Lyons. Alongside me is Mike Cadlick of WEEI.com. And behind the glass producing is Stiz Bruno. We've got a lot to get to tonight from how the Patriots got to this point, what they should do at the trade deadline, and why no one seemingly wants to be the Red Sox president of baseball operations. Mike, we already have one person in the Twitch chat saying, no Keefe is disappointing, yeah. no Keefe, no watch, which, uh, you know, you screw, listen, screw you, Twitch guy. You listen to the whole, but, the whole, uh, the whole get up, the whole theme song on there behind the glass with Stiz, and you find out it's us. So. Yeah, sorry, but stuck with here us. we go. Let's so, do it. So, Mike, how how are you? Tim? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. I, I'd be doing better if the Patriots were not one yeah. in five. I want to start there because you are the Patriots beat reporter for WEI.com. You're down there mm-hmm. every day, so I know what I see, I know what I read, and I know what I look up for the Patriots. But I want to from you now. You, being someone who's down there every day, mm-hmm. why is this team one in five right now? It it's also, a loaded question. Yeah, no, it is. Why there's, is this team one in five? I was right going to say, there's obviously a lot going on down there. Um, and, you know, from the outside, from the inside, the root cause, in my opinion, of this, the, the whole thing is, is pretty much the same from the inside and the outside, and it's the offensive line. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we could talk about it here until we're blue in the face about how they didn't sign anyone this offseason. They didn't draft anyone early. And granted, they you know they they hit on their first round pick with Chris Gonzalez. So there's yeah. no really there's no reason to blame them for not going for it there. But I mean, not spending money at the position, not developing the position well, um, drafting three interior players when you already have three solid interior players, and not worrying about the outside. And then instead, you have this mismatch of Vidarian Low and Calvin Anderson and everyone on the outside. So I mean, it starts there and it ends there. And you know, I've said it. Three or four times now I said it. I know on the Six Rings podcast I said it on the postgame show. I said it pregame before Sunday where watching a team this past weekend like USC in yep. in college, they have the best quarterback in the nation in Caleb Williams, uh, the best offensive coordinator in Lincoln Riley, and obviously some top talent at receiver, and they still get their doors blown off by Notre Dame because they can't block it up. So, I mean, if Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley can't do it in college, then how is Mac Jones and who he has on, on offense going to be able to do it in the pros? So um, I think it starts there, it ends there. Um, we're not allowed to watch much at practice, but I think um, from what has transpired this week with Vidarian Lowe sort of getting 
knocked around against Mass Crosby last week. I think that it would make a lot of sense for them to immediately um, bring Connor McDermott up on the roster and start him at right tackle. Again, we'll get into all that later in the show, but um, right now I think, again, that the root cause of everything is that offensive line. Yeah, I agree, and you mentioned the Caleb Williams example. Even if you want to look in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes and Andy right. Reid struggled in a Super Bowl because they couldn't block. They put exactly. up nine points against the Bucks just a couple of years ago in the Super Bowl because that Bucks defensive line absolutely dominated. And for the Patriots... You mentioned the right tackle spot. Look, I, I was going through this offensive line. We know what we see, right? When we, we look at them and we're like, wow, these guys get pushed back almost every run yep. play. These guys are giving up pressures to Mac in under three seconds constantly. And I know there were times where, especially against Vegas, that Mac had more than enough time to throw and made some bad decisions. But on the whole, like, look at this offensive line and just look at the PFF numbers sure. right here. Trent Brown, I thought was bad against the Saints, but on the whole, I think he's been pretty good. He's actually the third highest graded tackle by PFF. Look at so that, huh? You're like, oh, hey, third highest grade tackle, but here's the problem. Cole Strange is the 62nd highest graded yeah. guard. Mafi's 78th. Mike Onwenu, who I do like, 70th. Mm-hmm. David Andrews, who's been pretty good this year, he's still 20th. Uh, Vidarian Lowe, you mentioned him, 72nd. Uh, City So, 76th. And Calvin Anderson, 69th. Like, there's 79 guards in the NFL that have played enough snaps <laughs> yep. to be graded by PFF. Strange is 62nd, and he's the highest one. Like, they have been terrible on the interior of the offensive line. Andrew's been okay, but they've been terrible at both guard spots. And right tackle, Mike, I feel like this has been an issue for, like, three years now. Mm-hmm. I mean, Isaac, Mike Onwenu was a great right tackle in 2020. Since then, so get him out of there. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so move, move him right. to guard. But since then, I mean, it's Isaiah Wynn was a turnstile yeah. last year. Let's not forget when Marcus Cannon, who had been out of football, was playing for them at right tackle. I mean, you mentioned Connor McDermott. The best thing about him last year is that he was just average. Right. Like, the fact that he was average, and right now, I mean, I'm literally talking about the highest rated guard, 62nd in the NFL and Cole Strange. Average would be a massive upgrade for this team. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you think about it that way, too, with how bad the offensive line has been and how much they don't have time and how it trickles out to Mac Jones and how it trickles out to the wide receiver room and the timing's uh, thrown off and Mac's you know, internal clock is sped up. But you would think, oh, okay, they don't deal with the offensive line, but at least they got him a ton of weapons, right? And, you know, he'll be able to get the ball out quick and get it to guys in space and they'll be, you know, they'll make up for their poor offensive line with, you know, a better run game or some weapons like, a, you know, a, a top flight wide receiver who you can get the ball with. Uh, they didn't do that either. No, now, and, they're and working with huge... Kendrick Bourne and whatever else. They and have. speaking of Kendrick Bourne, he 28 catches, 307 yards, two touchdowns. He's also their highest graded wide receiver by PFF. He's still 47th yeah. in his grade. <laughs> so it's like, and look, I know PFF isn't the be all end all, but I think it really does match up with what we're seeing out there. I think Devontae Parker has been awful mm-hmm. for this team so far. And I know he's got 13 catches on the year, which isn't the number doesn't look terrible, but I mean, that interception against Miami. I know it was a bad decision and a bad throw by Mac. I didn't like the play call by mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien either, but, I mean, Devontae Parker got pushed out of bounds. Right. No compete level on that. It happened again against the Saints. It just went incomplete. And I thought you highlighted some good examples against the Raiders where it was like, what are you doing on that slant route yep. on third down where it's like he's kind of jogging at the top it, of the yep. – I don't know. And then, of course, we all know the, the drop. big drop, but it just feels like Parker's killing him. Demario Douglas, their best receiver right now, in my opinion, you know, he's hurt. Right. I mean, Tyquan. I think he'll play this week if yeah. that wants to give you any anyone any sort of, uh, I guess, relief on the on the wide receiver side. I think we're going to see Demario Douglas play. And this I week. think we need to. Yeah, and and because like 
the wide receiver. I mentioned Kendrick Bourne, who I think has been you know, pretty good overall. Still not great. Douglas has done a good job when he's been in there. He's been hurt. Smith-Schuster's giving you nothing. Right. Tyquan Thornton just came back, but he's given you no- Even when he was back, he's given you nothing. I mean, not only are you not blocking anyone, you are getting nothing from this receiver group to get open to. Right, and it's, again, that's where, you know, you say it, it starts and ends with the offensive line, and, you know, that, that makes sense, but it's also like they... They they have nothing on the outside, and you mentioned you mentioned uh, Devonte Parker there. Where not only is he, and I I go back and forth, you know, with the quarterback, with the wide receiver, with the offensive line, because they all haven't been good this year. And I, I sit here, and you know, people on Twitter and people online will, will probably call me and loop me in with the Mac Mac Jones apologist because I do think he's gotten the short end of the yeah. stick here. But at the same time, you mentioned that play against Miami. Devonte Parker lined up against Xavier uh, Howard. And Mac Jones goes to him. Like, you can't do that. That is a bad decision. And that was right after, by the way, Mike, they had converted a fourth down right. in the red zone. Yes, Like, exactly. you had just converted that fourth in inches. You're in the red zone, and the next snap, that's the decision. And, again, I didn't love the play right. call, but, like, that's the decision. Yeah. And then same thing with last week, right? They talk all week, Mac Jones is, you know, working on communication. We're working on not turning the football over. and We're, not, we're working on being smart with the football, and let's have, you know, a, a, a long methodical drive and get ourselves in the end zone. And then he rolls right, he breaks pocket, looks like, oh, perfect, Hunter Henry's there, or I just throw the football away. And then he sails it over the guy's head. Wide so, open, Hunter right, Henry. Right, wide man. open. So, For a huge gain. Yeah. And you're at the 30, the, the snap of that ball was your line of scrimmage was at the 30. I mean, you complete that pass, you're deep in the red zone. Right. We're talking about a totally different football game and probably a Patriots win if you complete that pass yeah. and, and instead just an awful throw. Yeah, so it's, it's not great. Um, we obviously have Buffalo, again, to look forward to. This weekend, uh, Josh Allen looks like he's coming back um, off of the, uh, not off of the injury report, but he was injured all week. He was limited. Uh, Ed Oliver is going to be out along their defensive front, which will hopefully be huge for the Patriots in the run game and the pass game. Um, but again, it's this is a team where you, you talk about Josh Allen, a guy who is sort of a, a turnover machine, a guy who um, you either get MVP caliber Josh Allen sure. or 2017 Josh Allen. It doesn't really, you know, it's either him making plays all over the place or, you know, throwing one to you. And I think uh, the Patriots haven't really dealt with that. I think he's come in and he's, he's played great against the Patriots. And so uh, you can't really count on that either, which it, it's tough to see this weekend. Yeah, and that Bills offense, by the way, the last two weeks, only averaging 17 points per game, and they've turned the ball over four right. times. And they only had five turnovers the entire season going into the last two weeks. So they, they're not playing well. And I think the other side of this coin, Mike, for me, the Patriots' defense – has played well enough to win five out of their six games. Week one against Philly, they allow 18 points on defense. Week two, they allow 24 to a Miami team that, by the way, scored 70 the next week and 36 the week before. Week three, they allow 10, score two of their own. They that Dallas blowout, right? They lose 38 to three. Defense only allowed 23 points and two touchdowns. Like if you really think, hey, they went on the road to Dallas and the defense gave up 23 points, that probably should be good enough to win a football game. New Orleans, they didn't play well. They allowed 27. Right. But then you go to Vegas, you only allow 19. Like, I'm just looking at these point totals, and they're on the field a lot, too. By the way, the Patriots' offense is 28th in the NFL in time of possession. This defense is playing well enough to win consistently, and they're just getting killed 
by the offense for all these. It's every facet of the offense. It's not like, hey, right. we can target right tackle and then they'll be okay. Or, hey, exactly. one receiver, you know, hey, they trade for Jerry Judy. They'll be fine, right? Or, hey, they just make a quarterback change. They'll be fine. There's so many facets of this offense. And I agree with you. It's the O-line's the biggest problem. But there are so many facets of this offense just playing poorly right now. And that's, too, with, you know, talking about all three phases of the, of the offensive side of the football, everyone's so looking forward to and already talking about a rebuild and fire bill and Mac Jones is gone and reset on offensive coordinator. And I get all that. Like, it's it's something to look forward to this offseason, but it's not going to be an easy fix. Like, all of a sudden, say they do, you know, move on for Bill Belichick and they hire, call it Jim Harbaugh or call it any sort of stud. In Brian the, Flores. Yeah, someone, yeah, sure. Someone, someone like that. And then they do draft a Caleb Williams or a Drake May in the first round, like, that's not going to all of a sudden turn them into an immediate playoff team. They still need weapons. They still need to figure out the offensive line. They still need to then get you know chemistry going with the offensive line, the quarterback and his wide receivers, and they get all going together. So it's not going to be that easy. And, um, I mean, I'm sure we'll continue to talk about it tonight, but with the breakup and everything that's going to happen with uh, you know Belichick here, it's, it's going to be ugly here before it gets any better. Yeah, and I think this is a team. We heard these whispers, and I think I, I fell for it a little bit. Coming into the year, hey, they think they're a lot better than a lot of people think. Like, hey, they're going to come out and surprise some people. And then they play the Eagles in week one, and you look at that game and you say, man, if they just don't throw a pick six or if Kayshawn Booty gets his foot down, like they beat the defending NFC champs. Like, that's a really encouraging sign. Then week two, all right, hey, they were right there with them, and they didn't win, but we've seen still some positives. And then, like, that Jets game. Yeah, they won, but I walked away from that like, ooh, this offense is bad. That was the cliff. Yeah, that was like, ooh, this. And then the next week, they go into Dallas. Like, okay, they've won a game. Defense is still playing really well. And at that time, they still had Judon and Gonzalez. And then you got 38-3. to But, yeah, that to me, that the first time that I was really like, ooh, this doesn't look good, is ironically the one win they've had, which was the Jets game. And I think it's just something that has bled over to every game. I mean, think about the Saints. Saints are not a good football team. Right. They got thoroughly outplayed last night, got beat up by the Jaguars, and they came into Foxborough and won 34 like, nothing. Yeah. That's nuts. And that's why I go into every game here, and it's like, okay, maybe after Philly, it's like, okay, they played well, like you said. You go into Miami. Okay, they played well again. They're 0-2, but you, know, you look at the front end of this schedule, and it was difficult. They yep. played a few games well. They get by the Jets, a team that always plays them tough, or has played them tough recently anyway. And then, okay, maybe you, you get one here against you know the Saints or Dallas, right? And... They get spanked in both games, and now all of a sudden it's just an avalanche. You go into Buffalo, you go into Miami, one and seven on the on the brink, and so um, again, it's 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 tough sledding right here. Yep, and uh, if they do that rebuild, they have quite a project ahead of them, as you alluded to. We're going to yeah. get to that in our next segment, but first, we're going to trend with Stiz. Your home of the Sox. Now here's what's trending on WEEI. Trending now. The Bruins are now 3-0 after beating the Sharks in San Jose during their first road trip. Marshan and James Van Riemsdyke scored back-to-back goals in the end of the first, and a Pasternak goal in the second led to the Beast's 3-1 victory. The Bruins will stay on the road to take on the Kings tomorrow night. Puck drop at an annoying 10.30 p.m. The Celtics won their final preseason game last night in Charlotte against the Hornets, 127-99. Jalen Brown had 20 points, 4 rebounds, and 1 assist. The Celtics' regular season starts on Wednesday. They'll be in New York taking on the Knicks tip-off at 7 p.m. And the Patriots take on the Bills on Sunday at Gillette Stadium, kickoff at 1 p.m. Three Patriots players have been listed as out. Those players are Riley Reef, Josh Uche, and Keon White. Another 16 players listed as questionable. Some of those names include Trent Brown, Hunter Henry, David Andrews, Jonathan Jones, and Ramondre Stevenson. 
Mac Jones spoke with the media about trusting the process. What I try to focus on is the process, and uh, when you think about like trying to make plays, you usually don't, and I think that's important. I think you have to operate within the system, within yourself as a quarterback, and um, those things will come you know, when you do the process right, but if you're not doing the process right, then you won't get the result. Some playoff baseball happening tonight. Philly will take on the Diamondbacks tonight at 8.05. Philly currently leads that series 2-1. And the battle for Texas is underway right now with the Astros up 1-0 over the Rangers in the top of the fifth inning. That series is tied at two games apiece. I'm Stiz. That's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com. More Rich Keith Show coming up. This is the Rich Keith Show on WEI. And streaming everywhere on the Odyssey app. Well, so it's always been to do what's best for the team and, and to build around whoever the quarterback is. We've had multiple quarterbacks, even though Tom was the quarterback, but then there were years when you know he wasn't either for a period of time or you know, there were a couple different situations, we know what those were. So yeah, it all starts with the quarterback on offense and building around him, whoever that is. But they go, always got to try to put the best best team together you can, and, and that's what we'll continue to do. That was Bill Belichick earlier this week on the Greg Hill Show. I'm John Lyons, alongside Mike Cadlick. We're filling in for Rich Keep tonight, so you're stuck with us. Yep. And I found that answer really interesting because Bill's right. Look, when you're building a football team, it all starts with the quarterback. But we talked about it in the first segment, Mike. The issues with the Patriots right now, primarily or offensively, but they have some special teams issues as well. But these issues go far beyond just the poor play of Mac Jones. There's there's a lot that they need to look at and say yeah. what did go what went wrong here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it you know, we talk about you know the the problems with Bill Belichick thus far and it's it's not really coaching. Like I'd probably still trust the guy as a coach to come in any given Sunday and and win a football game, but it's clear that his roster building, his um front office sort of uh I guess feel is not, at some points, maybe it was there early on and maybe a little bit in the, in the second edge of the dynasty where, you know, they're bringing a couple guys who, you know, make an impact. We'll talk about impact players in a second, but I mean, right now it's just, it's, it's a disaster and we, we can get into it right now. just as far as, yeah. like, you know, who's we've there seen and what's not. a real deterioration of their drafting ability, especially in that second half of the 2010s, because look, one of the reasons they built that dynasty is they had a lot of great, drafts and great draft picks i mean obviously yeah brady stands out getting right. him in the sixth round dub but like this is a team that drafted rich drafted richard seymour and matt light and that 2003 draft had multiple starters all over it. that 2010 draft where you get mccordy and gronkowski yep. like you know t- 2009 where you get volmer and edelman like they had a lot of drafts in there yeah, gerard mayo's up in there too exactly um, with vince will fork like, vince will ty warren yeah. in, in 03 i mentioned and then you get will fork in 04 i mean just they had a lot of drafts in there in 2012 you get jones and hightower yep. in the first round i mean that was awesome but we've seen a deterioration really to me the year that i break it off and some people say 2015 2016 but the year that i break it off to now is 2017 because okay. the guys that were drafted in 2017 would be in their seventh year in the league right now. So late 20s, kind of in their prime still, approaching 30, but significant contributors. And, Mike, when you look back, from 2017, they have two players left from that draft. One is Dietrich Wise, who I think is a solid player. Sure. The other is a technicality. It's Connor McDermott, who they just brought back this week. 2018, remember they had two first-round picks that year? Oh, yeah. Could have taken Lamar Jackson Jackson with one of them. Didn't. 
They have one guy left from that draft, Jawan Bentley. Solid player, sure. not a huge impact guy. Solid. How many players do you think they have from the 2019 draft? Oh, boy. None. Yeah, the answer is less than one. <laughs> Look yeah, at that. Zero. They have zero guys Was left. Was that Nikhil Harry here? Nikhil Harry, yeah, Damian Harris, Jake Bailey, yep. right? They have zero guys left from the 2019 draft. 2020, they do have four guys, and, and you know Kyle Duggar and Mike Onwenu I like a lot. Josh Uche is a guy who I think is pretty good, but he's really only had one great half of a season, which yep. was the second half of last year. Uh, 2021, we, huge problems with Mac Jones right now. Look, they have Barmore. They have Stevenson. That, that's okay from that draft. But even Barmore has been hurt. Stevenson hasn't been an impact guy this year. He right. was his first two years. 2020 and 2022 is a big problem. Like 2022 was when Macro took over. And I yeah. think he's skating by in all this with no blame. Because remember, in tw- after 2020, oh, it's going to be a collaborative approach. Yep. Dave Ziegler came in there. I thought pretty good draft in 2021. Grow comes in in 2022. I mean, Cole Strange, not fully available and not that consistent. And Ty- way, 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 way overdrafted. Way overdrafted. Tyquan Thornton, they picked him over George Pickens, and yep. he's not even really available so much in his career. Marcus Jones, I think, is a good pick. He just got hurt. Jack Jones, serious questions about that pick, and right. so far they're paying for those questions. And then they got Zappy and Sam Roberts late. And obviously from the 2023 draft, I agree with you. I love the Christian Gonzalez pick, and I like the Keon White pick, but – no tackles really from that track. Right. I mean, City so played tackle for one year in 2018, and that's all they got. Right, and tackles. he's been a guard here ever since. Right, and he's been a guard After here. After it was talked about, oh, maybe they'll try and move him over to tackle and see where they can develop him. He's been nothing but guard here. Yeah, so. and I could say the two best players they got from this draft were Christian Gonzalez in the first round and Demario Douglas way in the sixth. Oh, and yeah. I like Keon White. I do. But look, you look at these drafts. I mean, this is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven drafts, and you tell me if I'm wrong. I came up with four consistently impactful players from those seven combined drafts still on the team. Kyle Duggar, okay. Stevenson, who I know is having a down year now, but I think that's a lot of the O-line. Christian Gonzalez and Demario Douglas. Like, those are the only... Because if you think of it, like, Mike Onwenu, he hasn't been good this year. Right. Christian Barrymore, inconsistent with health-wise. Mac Jones, good rookie year, been bad since then. Like, from seven drafts, Mike, we're looking at four impact yeah. players. Yeah. It's uh, it's not good, obviously, John. Um, I look at you know a guy like Kristen Barmore is still a building block, and I I would agree with that. I just think the health's been an issue, sure. And I think there there were some times last year where it didn't feel like he popped. That's yeah. fair. And a but guy, I hear you on. But that. I, and I look like, at a guy like Josh Uche too, who right now might be on the trade block, given yeah. his injury status, given the fact he didn't practice this week, um, and the fact that they're one in five and is going into a contract year where he could make a lot of money. But and I hear the the other side of it where it's like, oh well. Josh Uche is going to have to make money next year, so let's just trade him because he's pretty good. If he's going to make money, that means he's good. Just sign the guy. And I get you want to try and get something out of it and you want to you know, flip it, what have you. But um, we haven't seen much from him as a number one pass rusher. He had you know, success last year as a number two. We haven't seen sure. it as a one. So I-, I wouldn't call him an impact player either. I think he's more of a building block. But, no, you look at Duggar Gonzalez. Tomorrow, Douglas, I like that you, you snuck that in there because I think given the opportunity and given more reps and once he gets back from the yeah. concussion – um, we'll see what he can do with Mac Jones, but I think you're right. That's the one guy on this roster where, you know, jitterbug playmaker, true separator as a uh, a wide receiver gets you know beats man covered and things like that. So that is that is I would agree someone who can be an impact. Player. Yeah, and I put Dietrich Wise and Jawan Bentley as solid players. Sure. I don't have them as like high impact guys, and I know Dietrich Wise he grades pretty highly in PFF, and I think the Patriots like him a lot, and he is a good player, but. He's not, like, the impact. Like, when I think of an impact guy, like, Matt Judon on the edge is yeah. an impact guy. Like, I don't look at Dietrich Wise. as, And I know it's not the same role, 
but I don't look at him as quite that amount of impact. Well, the thing with Bentley and Wise, too, is that they're captains. So they're right. leaders, and they gravitate towards them in the locker room. And Belichick trusts them to, you know, grab hold of, you know, someone who may not be performing well or what have you. Tip, pull them inside and be like, look, this is what we got to do and why. They send them to us on the Greg Hill show and, the you know, all the, all yep. the afternoon shows all day. So those are the guys who represent the team and represent what Bel- Belichick wants. Uh, the bad news is so was Devontae Parker, a guy who got the, got the Belichick bump contract yeah. this offseason and hasn't taken no accountability yeah. yet Before for that Before we but. go any further, I do want to hear from, uh, we have Stephen Fall River on the line. Stiz, if you could just pop him up uh, for us. And Steve, welcome in. Hey, Steve. I love it. I love it. I love what you're talking about. I, this, I'm a broken record about this. I think 15 was the line. I understand we could have put 17. But prior to that, the rebuild that actually occurred started in 93. The 93 to 96 seasons, drafts, rebuilt the Patriots. They were in this predicament after the 85 to 89 stretch of drafting, which was deplorable. I never thought I'd see it again in my lifetime, but 15 to 19, 2015 to 19, took care of it. And then we heard the drafts got better, but as we know now, they didn't get better. So now we've got, you guys just went through it, seven or eight years of drafting. This is why you're one in, one in five and you got no impact players. And Bob Kraft, of course, wants to go through the draft because you can get players under control. But go, yep. it, So what does it take? It takes four to five remarkable drafts in a row, and you need a competent quarterback, which is what happened in 92 to 96. What did that draft thing do for them? And Steve, they got them into the Super Bowl, and they were a good – excuse me – what is it? No, Steve, I, I would agree. I would extend that point and say, if you want to look at even the dynasty too, I agree with you that those drafts are important, but 2000 through 2003, I mean, 2000, you get Tom Brady, 2001, you get Seymour and Matt Light, 2002, Dion Branch. Let me make my point. I'm going I'm like, to throw some water. I'm going to throw some water on that. 92 to 96 got you into the Super Bowl. You had a very good team underperforming under Pete Carroll, but that was the foundation of the dynasty. Remember, there's one Patriot dynasty, 01 to 04. Not a 20-year dynasty. A dynasty is you win very close. 01 to 04, the backbone of that dynasty was done in the, in the 92 to 96 draft. And I'm not downplaying getting Brady, although I don't consider that any draft wizard. You can't take a guy at 199 and tell me that's some kind of good Everybody draft. Everybody passed on him. That's right. like finding a four-leaf clover. That's like finding a four-leaf clover on your lawn. But, of course, uh, <clears throat> Richard Seymour and, and uh, Dion Branch and Asante, all these guys was good. Bring it in, bring it in some other people. But without Adam Vinatieri, without uh, Ty Law, I take, take those two guys out of this equation. Let's say Bill Belichick cuts them when he walks in. you got no dynasty. You don't win anything. Yeah, and Steve, those th- two guys off the yeah. Patriot roster, you you don't win nothing. Yeah, People. thanks, thanks for the call, Steve. And I, I agree. I think this this drafting has been a huge piece of the dynasty, starting obviously in the '90s, as Steve outlined, but into the 2000s, and then Mike, even when they reset it, I mentioned you know 2009. You go back to. 08 when they get Mayo, right? 09 they get bringing, you know, Volmer and good play and Pat Chung was 09 yep. as well. 2010 I mentioned Gronkowski, McCordy. It's I don't think it's a coincidence 2011 they're in the Super Bowl. Right. And I, I'll be it with a bad defense, but they're in the Super Bowl and then by 2014 when you then add Chandler Jones and Dont Dytow and of course Malcolm Butler is an undrafted free agent. Like when you add that like boom, you're you're winning multiple Super Bowls. Right. And if not for injuries, 
you probably would have won three in a row. Yep. Like you would have probably won in 2015, or if they don't sit Malcolm Butler, you win in 2017. Like so, the point is that you're a Super Bowl level team every year for almost eight years, and a lot of the foundation was Brady, mm-hmm. Belichick's coaching, and then the draft. And I think in se- it feels like in 17. And I know Steve brought up 2015. I. I just don't go back that far because, A, a lot of those guys wouldn't be in the league now. But right. 2016, you got Trey Flowers, you got Joe Tooney, you got Malcolm Mitchell. Those guys helped you win one Super Bowl. Some of them helped you win more sure, than one. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't quite, I understand where he's coming well, from. Well, I like the point, too, about it takes five, six drafts, a competent it, quarterback, it, it and all really, that stuff to really do it because, you know, I, I talked about, you know, earlier that everyone thinks bringing in a coach and a quarterback is going to turn this whole thing around. But no, it's not just that they don't have like the guts of a good team either. And so, and I look at, you know, the guts of a good team. You like that? The guts. I, but you're right. Yeah. I mean, it takes, I mean, you're not, it's not the NBA where you have five guys on the court in one good draft right, right. is you're going to be all right. Or even the NHL where you can get Connor Bedard at number one overall. And all of a sudden, Hey, you don't suck anymore. Right, and, right now with the NFL, you need to have, three or four, maybe five drafts in a row, and especially with the financial aspect of it and the fifth-year option on those first-round picks, you need to have multiple good drafts in a row. And we've seen it here. We've Mm -hmm. seen it. Look at the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, multiple good drafts in a row. And, of course, I know they get Mahomes, and they traded up for Mahomes, right? Multiple good drafts in a row. Now they're legit. The San Francisco 49ers, multiple good drafts in a row. It's, it's It's not rocket science in the sense of you know what you need to do, but as we've seen... They've been wildly inconsistent in the draft. I mean, Christian Gonzalez is one of my favorite draft picks of any team in the last five years. But then they have other drafts that they have, like, one or zero guys. Right, and I even look at last year with, you know, giving, not letting Macro, you know, get out of the blame here, right? I I remember looking last year at one point. I thought they drafted pretty well last year. At one point at at the time. You're not, it's funny you say that. It's, I kind of... Yeah, you're I remember. Not alone. I remember looking after, like I think it was either the Browns game or the Lions game, where you had Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones, Pierre Strong, Bailey Zappi, Kevin Harris, all making plays in one game, yeah. and it was like, okay, if you can bring these rookies in now and they come in and make, we keep saying the word impact, impact plays in a game as rookies, you're only going to grow from there. Now you look at it, obviously, Cole Strange is hurt, banged up, and was overdrafted. Tycon Thornton can't stay on the field. Marcus Jones is hurt. Jack Jones is hurt and has all his other world of problems. Yeah. Pierre Strong's gone. Bailey Zappi's not a good backup anymore, and Kevin Harris is on the practice yeah. court. So. And so Sam Roberts is out there a yeah. little bit, which Woo-hoo. is nice. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, and my biggest takeaway from the 2022 draft was the word risk. Like, right. it felt like, hey, you kind of reached on Strange. And remember, they were so big on relative athletic score. Oh, yeah. Like, Marcus Jones didn't test, but if he had, he would have been top 10 in relative athletic score. Tyquan Thornton and Cole Strange, those guys were top 15 guys yep. in relative athletic score. And they were so big on that, and then you wonder if they overlooked the fact that, like, hey, George Pickens is just a better football yeah, player. Right. Tyquan. Yeah, Tyquan Thornton's faster. Yeah, maybe he's a better athlete in some metrics. Yeah, he can jump higher. Great. Like, one guy is just a flat. And I understand, like, you need to have testing and you need to have metrics, but it feels like... Sometimes they just draft guys they like, and sometimes they just draft guys with good relative athletic scores, and then they sometimes miss, like, hey, this dude's just a flat-out great football player. We're going to draft him, and I feel like 2022, at least right now, looks like the poster child for that kind of draft. Well, and using that relative athletic score here and how they're sort of trying to build this team, and you look back at that Boston Herald report last week from Andrew Callahan and Doug Hyde and how – you know the inner workings of the of the team. It's they're not using analytics like yeah. most other teams, and they're not using the the testing and the numbers and the uh, the chips they put in their in their pads to get their their speed and stuff. But if you're going to use 
relative athletic score to try and get this athlete. No, we're now just going to mold you into the football player we want you to be. If you're not, if you're going to use one analytic and not pair it to the rest, then what are you even doing? Because you bring in Tyquan Thornton, who is a freak athlete, who is fast, who can take the top off the defense, but A, he's always hurt, and B, if you're not going to use that to your advantage, then what's the point of bringing him in here at all? Yeah, Instead, I, just bring in a George Pickens, who just, like you said, good football player can make plays yeah, for you. And yeah, I know Pickens had some injury concerns, but like just a good football player. Dewan Jones in the fourth round, so right. another great one hit on. Uh, we're talking Patriots draft here. We have Cam in Wilmington on the line. Cam, welcome into the program. What's up, Cam? Hey, guys, thanks for having me on. Um, I just wanted to talk really quickly about uh, the Patriots draft of what I, I've kind of had some issues with it over the past couple of years. And one of the big things that I've, I've looked at is, like, they're not taking players that are at those skill positions in the first round, which are usually the more expensive positions all around, right? Like your edge rushers, your offensive tackles, your receivers, your quarterbacks. Like, obviously, they took Mac, but those are positions out there that are, you know, good for cost control with that fifth-year option. And I just, you know, you look at all of their drafts, maybe going back to, say, 2015, their first three rounds, there's really no, like, consistent, like, star power that they have there. Like, yeah, these picks are quote-unquote hits, but they're not, you know, really good players. They're just hits because they're not complete busts. And, and I'll take it off the air to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, Cam, thanks, thanks for the call. And, Mike, I he brings up a good point, but the issue is they have tried that a couple times, and they took Nikhil Harry instead of Debo Samuel, A.J. Right. Brown. They took Mac Jones, who had a great rookie year and has gotten worse since then. so But I think he's right. Like, instead of Cole Strange, you know, you could have taken a higher-impact guy. In right. 2020, you traded out of the first round. And, look, I like Kyle Duggar. He's one of my four-impact yeah. guys. And I still don't hate but, the Mac Jones pick and, either. When, and I, yeah. and where, the, where the franchise was at at the time, a player who, yes, he was the fifth quarterback on the board, but was graded as high as, like, maybe even three or two San on Francisco some other thought about taking him at right. three. And so you had a guy who... Fit what you wanted to do. Be smart with the football. Be safe with the football. Knows how to read a defense. Knows how to, you know, not not be stupid. You watch him at Alabama. When you put stuff around him, he's excellent. I talked yeah. about it with Mac Jones today yeah. in the locker room. I showed him a uh, a, uh, a roster from, like, their 2017 team and just how dominant they were. And he's yeah. like, yeah, it was me and John Metri on scout team. Like, yeah. Those teams were dominant. They had it, better skill players than the Patriots have now. Literally. And it's like a funny talk radio thing to say, but if you really look at it, they had better skill players than the Patriots exactly, have right now. Exactly. And so, you know, going back to the pick, like, I don't hate it. I didn't hate it then. I, I don't really hate it now. In hindsight, they just had to do better around him, and they didn't. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. And, I, I like, the Mac pick, he's gotten worse every year. But at the time, yeah, I can understand why they made that pick. Even, I mean, if you want to go back to 2018, they should have drafted Nick Chubb instead of Sony Michelle. Yeah, right. Like, and Sony and Michelle, you can play this game forever. Yeah, I, it, but I think... That it, it's one thing to have one time, like, hey, they drafted Sony Michelle instead of Nick Chubb. What is concerning, and why are they one in five right now, is this has been a pattern. 100%. Right? Like, you take Sony Mich- Michelle instead of Nick Chubb. You take Nikhil Harry instead of Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown. You take Tyquan Thornton instead of George Pickens. Like, yep. it's you take Cole Strange instead of XYZ, better football yeah. player. Like, anybody that, who wasn't graded as a third round pick by yeah, the rest of the NFL. Exactly. Like, that to me is why, like, because every single team is going to have multiple misses in draft picks over the course of, you know, three or four or five years. But when you're in that first and second round and you're consistently missing on guys, that's why you're where you are. I mean, that's one of the reasons you were good for so many years. Now it's one of the reasons why you're not so good. We got a lot to get to with this. We got to continue on this. But first, uh, we got to go to break. We'll be right back. Tell your smart speaker to play 93.7 WEEI. Now more of the Rich Keefe Show on WEEI. 
Welcome back into the Rich Keefe Show. As you can tell from my voice, I am not Rich Keefe. No, you're not. I'm John Lyons alongside Mike Cadlick. Pleasure Hi. to be filling in for Rich Keefe as he has this Friday night off. We are going to continue to get to Patriots. We see your phone calls lined up. But I do want to get to the FanDuel bet du jour as requested by Mike Cadlick. Here we this go. Is his, so you better listen to him because you're going to win money. So you know what? I'm going to go to you, Mike. Start you off. What is your FanDuel bet du jour of the night? All right, let's start it off. Bet du jour, bet of the night, bet of the day. Is that what we call it here, Stiz? Bet of the day, bet of the night. Bet of the, bet day. Of the weekend. Bet of the it's day, bet that. of the weekend. Yeah, right. it's Friday. So Friday night's the bet of the weekend. All right, then I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to peruse a little bit here as we can go into the weekend, and I am going to go with, you know what? I'm going to go hook em horns, Texas. Whoa. Number eight in the country, on the road at Houston, staying in uh, the old state of Texas, but on the road. I'm going to take Texas. Minus 22 and a half. By the way, I've, I've been trying to figure this out. Is Texas back? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. They've never been and back. you know what? After the Alabama game, not yeah. going to lie, I thought maybe Texas was back, and then we saw what happened and then against they lost. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I Close thought, game, at least. Yeah, no, I think uh, I thought Texas was back after the Sam Ellinger days when they won the uh, they won a New Year's Six Bowl. Yep. They beat Georgia. And I was like, okay, Texas, here we go. And then ever since then, they've been down again. Yeah, I mean, they do have... Manning, right? Yeah, so, Quinn Ewers uh, is good too. Yeah, he'll be. Like, he'll they be don't up. suck at QB. No, they don't. But. No, and but like last year, they beat Oklahoma forty nine nothing. Yeah, like you beat Oklahoma forty nine nothing, and then like you lose to them this year. Yeah, like, and yeah, I know Oklahoma got better. Credit to them, but after yeah. beating Bama too, yeah, it's like they so just I guess can't get out of their own way. Yeah, I, I'm. What gonna do you go got, John? NLCS Trey Turner plus one ninety to record at least two hits. He has Ooh, at least right. one hit in every playoff game. Pretty impressive. At least one hit in every playoff game. So far in the playoffs, he has five multi-hit games. So this dude's been on fire. He's been getting multi-hit games. I'm plus 190, Trey Turner, to record two plus hits. Uh, and uh, shout out Dave Dombrowski for signing that guy. I like it. All right. Yeah, for sure. You got one for us? Yeah, I'll go. We got the Battle of Texas going on right now, the Astros uh, at the Rangers. The Astros are up 2-1, to one, okay? But I'm going to go with live the bet? Rangers. Live bet oh, on the money get line. In. Get them in if you're listening. Money live line bet. on the Rangers plus 140. Let's go. I like it. Okay. Hell yes, it is. There we go. We see your phone calls lined up. We got the bet du jour out of the way here. And uh, a lot of people are excited about the Patriots not drafting well. Let's do it. It seems like we're going to start uh, Matt in Rhode Island. Matt, thank you for calling in, and you are on the air as soon as this, this has you up. You're on the air, Matt. Hey, what's up, guys? Sorry about that. Um, no, to continue the, I mean, I'm still not over to kill Harry Jack because I'd really just like to be a fly in the wall and really see how that went down, considering, you know, Brandon Ayuk is a better receiver than Nikhil Harry on his own college team. Yep. And the plethora of wide receivers point. after that, you know. But anyway, and I, I still think it's relevant to talk about the two tight end drafts. And neither one of those guys could play in the NFL. And then, you know, bringing us to last year with Cole Strange, you know, it's just like if you're not sure if you're not if you're not sure he's Logan Mankins, like you just can't make that pick. And um I think it's just Bill's arrogance and just being trying to be the smartest guy in the room. You know, it worked out with Duggar because he's a pretty good player. But it's just the same kind of concept. Thanks, guys. Yeah, Have thanks for the call, Matt. And look, Matt brought up a couple really interesting points there. One that two tight end draft. The reason you spent so much money on Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and then afterwards Mike Kosicki is you missed on Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene, right? So right. you drafted two, traded up, by the way, for both, and now you have neither. And his point about, you know, if you're going to draft a guard in the first round, he should be Logan Mankins. The other piece of that Logan Mankins draft, they were coming off their third Super Bowl win in four years. Exactly. So they had a little room to play with. They had a really good we roster. We need one piece. Let's take this guy. And he was Logan freaking Mankins. Exactly. He was the best guard in the NFL for 10 years. Right. Like, that's the thing. So I, I do kind of agree because 
uh, the earlier caller mentioned, like, you, you're going to draft premium positions early. And I, I'm more of a proponent of just drafting the best guy. But sure. if it comes down to a really good tackle or a guard you think is going to be really good, like, the tackle is so much more valuable oh, yeah. at the 100%. top of the draft. And, and, and that was such a good that was a good point. And I look at, too, like um, the Nikhil Harry pick, for example. I don't know if it's Bill out smart, smarting himself. I don't know if it's him doing a favor for his buddies, like him and Herm Edwards, they're tight down there in Arizona State. So I don't know if it was like, oh, we trust him, we'll take him instead of... They like, have I, done that before. Yeah, they have done that you know, plenty of times, I think. And Jamie so, Collins was it, a pick like that. Exactly. And so like, I don't know if that's what it is. I don't know if it's him. I don't know if they genuinely just don't scout those skilled players correctly or if it's also a, a mix of like an inside job there too. Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. I can only think of two offensive skill players they targeted in the first two rounds that are legitimately really good players. Dion Branch in 2002, Rob Gronkowski in 2010. Those are the only two offensive skill players mm-hmm. that are legitimately like good players in their career that they drafted in the first two rounds. Like for offensive yeah, skill Yeah, no, I, I think you're I right. Mean, I mean, because Sony Michelle had one good year. Yep. Nikhil Harry was never Awful. good. Aaron like, Dobson was a second round pick. Aaron he Dobson was never good. wasn't good. Like, and uh, Lawrence Maroney was like okay for a couple of years. But I he don't was still really, a first round pick, and he like, was not. A D'Angelo first, Williams is a better player, right? Than him. He did not Take finish as a first round, you know, caliber pick throughout his yeah, career. So, so that's, I mean, somebody call in, correct me if I'm wrong there, but I just don't, and that's like we're talking Jimmy Garoppolo. Years. Yeah, that's true. second round pick, yeah. still a starter in the. I, I didn't. I, I guess I didn't count him as a skill yeah. <laughs> player, but no, you, you're not wrong. And speaking of the Pats draft, Mike in Boston, he wants to know if the Patriots will tank this year. Mike, welcome into the show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, a quick question. I mean, like. I don't want to see the Patriots win, you know, these moral victories like in Buffalo or, you know, the next couple of weeks. I want them to, you know, get a high draft pick. I mean, get a new quarterback. This is crazy. Also, do you think um, the Red Sox might sign Utani or that uh, Japanese guy? Like, what are we doing next year for the Red Sox? Yeah, I think you might have a better chance, and thanks for the call, Mike, of the Patriots signing Otani <laughs> than the Red Sox signing Otani. Although, yeah, I want him so bad. I am, so we're going to talk about the Red Sox later in the show, Mike, so please tune in later on because I am all freaking in on Yamamoto coming to the Red Sox to be one of their frontline starters. Look, the tanking thing, and this is just like a personal perspective. Mike, you played college football. I've coached college football. When you get above the high school level of football, whether it's Division One, Two, Three college, NFL, CFL, it is extremely hard to tank. Correct. And the only real way you can tank in the NFL is if you sit guys down on the injury report, which we have seen yeah. a huge injury report, but because you cannot send Trent Brown, I mean, maybe Trent Brown, but you can't send Trent Brown out there and say, hey, miss a bunch of blocks. Right. Hey, Mac, like, miss throw. Like, it's just like we're in the NBA, you can sit one guy down and your team will lose. Right. Right. In the MLB, you can have a bullpen game and you'll lose. And not that you tank in the MLB, but you can have a bullpen sure. game and lose. The NFL. Uh, the on-field product, you can't tank. You really can't tank. The only way that you can, I guess, tank or lose games is if you hold guys out. Or, hey, Mac Jones starts the game and three series in, you just put Malik Cunningham in. And I think that would be the only way to go about it, Mike. And I, you're someone who's down there every day. You get any sense that they would trend in that direction? I don't think they're going to – you're never going to see a team, never mind a Bill Belichick team, like you said, any NFL team – actively try and lose games you're not going to see guys lose blocks you're not going to see guys jogging through the motions you're not going to see them purposely throw an interception because first of all it's not just this game or this season that these guys careers ride on it's 
that you know, well, their their career dried on what they're doing out there. Excuse yeah. me. And so you can like, get hurt on one play. Though. Exactly, the career could be over. Or especially if you're jogging through it, you can yeah. easily get hurt. Well, too. what if you know you're a guy? Josh Uche is a good example. You know, you have a bad last three weeks of the year, and all of a sudden that affects your future contract. One hundred percent. Yeah. So doesn't... once you get to Sunday, those guys are going to try. But you're right. You know, they can sit a guy out. They can. Um, give young guys an opportunity. You know, they could start yep. to Mario Douglas and keep Juju Smith-Schuster inactive because, oh, he's just nursing a knee. And I don't think they're doing that necessarily to purposely lose games, but more so to see what these young guys have and see what you have on the roster and see how you want to move forward. So you can still frame it, or you can still think of it as tanking, but in my opinion, it's just building towards the future to get these young guys on the field and keep the other guys off. Yeah, and the trade deadline is coming up. We're going to dive into that coming up in hour number two. We see some of you holding on on the phone lines. We will get to you in our next segment. But first, we have a break right now.